and welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games, a show about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you. Tonight, we're going to talk about reskinning. <laughs> we are explicit, and you have been warned. Yes. Is there something wrong? Yes. <laughs> wrong show. No, you, no, no. You no, no. skinned pandas as misdirected Mark. That was my point. I was reskinning the opening of Misdirected Mark onto Pandas, Pandas. Talking Games. Okay. Because I believe we're going to be talking about reskinning tonight, right? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So maybe now, since you confused us, let's cue some music. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host, Phil. And I'm your other host, Zenda. I took it easy on you on that one because the you already You already threw me for a loop. I like when it's not <laughs> scripted. You have no idea. I what's... literally have no idea what you're doing. I was like, dude, that's the wrongest show. And you're like, no, I'm doing a thing. And I'm you like. You just went so squeaky that my earbud cut out. <laughs> That's fine. It'll pick up on everybody else's audio. Yeah, I actually like didn't hear the high notes on that. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to another episode. Uh, tonight, we're going to take a little break from our uh, normal chit chat, that our pandemic chit chats, as we Hard, have been hardly doing. Hardly normal. Hardly normal. Hardly. They've, they've turned normal because we've done so many. Well, we've done so many and the country has done such a bang up job on the <laughs> on the pandemic yeah. that what we thought was just going to be a few months of doing chit chats Looks like we could be hunkering down for a while. It's true. So uh, there is one thing that I will say about this episode, which is that while we are not doing a chit chat in terms of our content, this episode is still completely unscripted, including the fact that I had no idea what the opening was. And I will not be editing it. So as usual for our pandemic series of audio files, you will be delighted, I am sure, to find our outtakes embedded in the very fabric of the podcast itself. Um, just, just like the opening. Just like the opening. <laughs> a delight. Awesome. Always a delight. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, as you might have guessed from our jumbled opening, uh, we're going to be uh, revisiting reskinning because we got a question it's true we did we got a question from joe who said uh hey guys i liked your episode about reskinning but i don't think i really grok it i was blown away by senda's cyberpunk fellowship of the ring could you guys just do more examples like that take a few well-known story plots and pitch them in different genres Thanks so much for what you do well thank you so much for listening joe you are fantastic so what you're gonna get tonight however is a completely unscripted attempt by both Phil and myself to just reskin things on the fly. But we're going to explain what we're doing as we do it. Yeah, so we're going to start off really quick by re-explaining the concept of reskinning, what it is, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the technique. And then we each have a movie that we are going to reskin, and we'll kind of pick it apart a little while we're reskinning it. So... 
Uh, first, the definition of reskinning. Right, so reskinning is to uh, take the um, core tropes and th- um, the core tropes and themes of a given work and place on them new trappings. So remember, trappings are like your setting. Um, it might be like the way you dress, geography. They might be um, from genre, things like that. And then under, so that's going to be like the veneer, right? And then underneath it is going to be the like the core themes, uh, like I said, tropes, those kinds of things that that are what make the thing that you're reskinning so good. So, um, if I might, by way of example, yes, please. Um, I'm trying to think of something that we could easily reskin. Uh, so let's. Um, oh, cool. You know what? I'm just looking around my room. So, and, and I see that I have a, a picture of Wolverine on my wall. So let let's just take a look at uh, Marvel superheroes Wolverine. Right? Pretty iconic. Um, pretty iconic superhero. Let's talk about if we were going to reskin Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. So on right. So on the surface, right, our trappings for this is that Wolverine is one a superhero. Uh, two from the modern era, right? Mm-hmm. So Wolverine has like modern looking, um, he has modern looking uh, clothing, hairstyle, things like that. He's human, right? That's a that's a trapping, right, on the surface. Um, and then, so those are his surface things. What are the iconic things about Wolverine? Right, he's grumpy. Uh, he has um, unbreakable bones. He has retractable claws, and he has uh, some wicked healing factor. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So now what we can do is we actually can break those two sets apart, right? So we can break the veneer, the modern human superhero, from the healing factor, unbreakable bones, claws, and grumpy, Mm -hmm. right? And now we can just uh, get rid of the veneer. And go pick another veneer, right from another from another setting, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 then put put it together, right? So uh, I think um, I think what might be fun. Uh, let's see. Let's pick something really out there. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of a genre. Give me a genre. Any genre. I don't know. Okay. Let's see. It'll either work or it won't. That's so true. I mean, not every we're genre works with everything. Um, I'm gonna say uh, 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 do do um, like Gundam suits. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So I think that. Um, all right. So if I'm gonna make Wolverine into into Gundam, then I don't want Wolverine being human. I now want Wolverine to be a mech. Yes. Okay, so I want this yes. mech. I want this mech to be um, relatively unbreakable for whatever reason. It has some sort of um, special frame or whatever. Uh, it 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 regenerates, so it has some sort of advanced tech that is um, that has like nanites or it's a mech, so it's pretty big. So it has like like um, micro machinery or whatever that's self repairing. Uh, I'm going to still give it claws, although I'm not going to do the three claws. I think I'm just going to give it like one big spike coming out of each arm. Yeah. It's less, it's less specifically identifiable. Uh, yeah. And, um, and then I'm going to take the grumpy part. I'm going to assign that to, I think the pilot. Yeah. That that Um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it depends, right? 
if it is the style of mech that has like a computer, an Iron Man computer, Jarvit, Jarvit, good. Oh, normally it's better if you don't pull. I know if you don't extend that out. I know. But normally I edit that sort of thing. So I have some bad habits anyway. So, um, you know, like if it's an Iron Man style thing where it talks to you, then it could have a grumpy personality. It absolutely could be really funny. Uh, It absolutely could. Or if I really wanted to keep all of it in the mech, when you interface with the mech, uh, it's very uncomfortable. And so it tends to leave the pilot um, grumpy. Right. Like like during during the time that they're piloting it and afterwards, there's like a lingering effect where um, the pilot is um, just agitated. Yeah. Okay. so again, um, again, what we're talking about here is 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 looking at a thing and identifying what its core uh, what it what what are the core pieces that make it up and what are the veneer things. Right. The veneer things are often the things we see. Yeah. Right. And the core pieces are usually the thing that if I ask you to describe a thing, they're the first things you tell me. Yep. Okay. And then what we do is we just peel those apart, change the veneer and put it and and put a new veneer on top. Now, likewise, I'll just give another example. This can easily be done on a mechanical level with stat blocks. Yes. Right. So a very um, crafty, um, I will say crafty. I will also slash lazy uh, thing <laughs> thing for a GM to do uh-huh. is if they want to um, have a, um, a monster or NPC or whatever, that rather than whipping up a whole fresh stat block, you can just basically take a stat block and reskin it. So, for instance, if I want um, I want a really big. Uh, I want a really big human NPC, big, uh, massive size, like the mountain, like like the mountain from Game of Thrones, right? Something frighteningly large and scary. And I don't want to work up those stats myself. I could just take an ogre stat block, mm-hmm. right? I could just peel off ogre, mm-hmm. put description of big human dude in armor mm-hmm. with giant sword. And just and and not change anything else, right? Because here's the thing about reskins: the players interface with the game world through your descriptions. So, as you describe the veneer of something, as you describe what they see, hear, and feel, that's what they know, right? You never tell them, like. Oh, this thing is eight hit dice with a, you know, 16 armor class, blah, 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 blah. Right. You never say that. Yeah. Even if it's even if you're not reskinning it. Right. So they don't know that this is an ogre stat block. All they know is that when it hits them, it hurts a lot. And when they hit it, it hasn't died yet. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like. And that's and that's a mechanical reskin, right? That's just replacing the veneer, the part you're gonna say, with the mechanics underneath it. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Those are are two ways to do, um, are two ways to do reskins, right? Narratively reskin and mechanically reskin, and then uh, just to tie it all together, uh, if we were playing like a Gundam game, I would when I reskin and make the Wolverine Gundam. Right, I'm going to also apply mechanics to the stats for the Gundam. 
right? I'm going to have some sort of um, rules or whatever about its healing. Uh, I'm going to have some sort of uh, armor rating or whatever based on its uh, very unbreakable armor and some damage stats or whatever for, you know, the big spike, etc. Right. So you can do it. Um, you can do it just narrative. You can do it just mechanical or you can put them together. Yeah, I think that covers that. That basically covers the gauntlet of different ways you can reskin stuff. I know, and I'm very impressed with you because we didn't plan any of that out or have any written down definitions or anything. Right? <laughs> it's it's as if it's as if all these years of doing this has paid off. Right? Maybe, yeah, maybe that. <laughs> all right, cool. So what we did talk about before we hit the record button was by way of another example. We would we would do a different type of reskin, which is we were going to reskin a movie to a new genre. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna skin plots. Like if you yes. wanted to yoink a plot from some sort of media because you like it and you want to put it in a completely different place where people are unlikely to identify that that is the plot that you stole, then this is how you would reskin a plot. Which was um, what Joe was referring to the question that he originally asked, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, do you want to start with yours, or would you like me to start with mine? No, I, I did a whole bunch of talking. Yeah, you did do so a lot of talking. So I'll, 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 let's let people hear your voice, because it's lovely. <laughs> well, thank and you. And you do your part, and then I'll come back, I'll do mine, and then we'll wrap up the show. Awesome. So um, in, in typical Senda fashion, I have chosen The Labyrinth as the movie that I have, um, that I'm going to reskin. And I'm just going to very briefly say, so this is a movie that I adore, and I hope that y'all have seen it because um it's been around for a while um so i'm I'm not gonna spend too too much time um jumping into all the details of it or anything um but essentially this is it's a girl coming of age movie which go figure i like and then i like tried to come up with more movies i was like oh i could do this one or this one or this one oh they're all girl coming of age movies (laughs) it's like that's my thing um cool but um there are some tropes about the labyrinth that are about that type of story genre and there are some tropes about the labyrinth that are um, some other things too so what I thought we would do that would make it um, really interesting is take the labyrinth which is a movie that was um, contemporary when it was filmed which was like the what the 80s um, and uh, is a story about a teenage girl getting whisked away to a, a magical labyrinth to save her little brother who gets stolen by goblins right um, and so I thought that we would make that sci-fi because, um, I think that that would make a very cool plot for someone who was, um, on a ship finding companions and, um, and, and, and trying to find something precious to them that was taken from them. So, um, there's a, there's a, a specific type of trope in this, which is a self-exploration and journey to independence trope. So that would be, um... One of the things we'd be looking at, there is a finding friends slash companions along the way, which is really girl coming of age story trope, and I love it. Um, and there's a, in the labyrinth specifically, there is also a race against time, which is fun for for me to think about if we're in a spaceship, um, trying to get you know galaxy to galaxy. Um, and then, so the original veneer, like I said, we got a, a teenage girl. She's really into like fantasy. Um, instead of like the real world and she's um, basically frustrated that she's being um, expected to act 
in a little bit more of an adult way um, instead of um, getting to keep acting like a kid. And that's that like original story. Um, and so for me, what I started imagining when I when I started thinking about this, if we we're going to peel off the 80s, we're going to peel off the fantasy, we're going to peel off the labyrinth itself, right? Because um, although I will say one of the things about the labyrinth is that it has some very cool and distinct specific locations, right? So that's part of the reason that I think that this works. Um, we'll get into that in a second. So we're going to peel off the idea of the labyrinth itself. We're going to peel off the, 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 um, the like, uh, fantasy tropes and, 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 uh, and, uh, those pieces. And what I'm left with that I start imagining is that, um, we have the pilot of a ship and maybe something, um, a cross between like a Star Trek and a Firefly, where we can just like add people in to the crew um, so that we have, we can have companions kind of joining into this um, journey of, of, of self-discovery and independence. Um, and, um, and then uh, we set up something where, um, you know, we don't have magic, we have sci-fi, right? So if something is going to be taken from our pilot or from the, you know, the crew of this ship, which is would be the pilot and her companions, um, then that thing could be teleported away to somewhere and um, the thing would be teleported away and then our Gareth uh, equivalent big bad would, of course, set some sort of race-like time limit. Like, if you can get to this star system by this time, you can have it back. Um, and then what we have is a race against time through the solar system trying to get there, right? Um, and so uh, you get to then do things like, in the labyrinth, you have areas like the Bog of Eternal Stench, Um which is one of those like cool locations that has really distinct features, but like awesome. Now it's a planet. Like you need to go, you know, get past this planet because um, now you need to pick up fuel. And this is the space that you have to pass through, like to go get fuel or whatever it is. So now you have a planet to explore. Um, and maybe you pick up a new companion there. Maybe he looks like a fox. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. That's up to you. Um, or, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, there's a scene where she ends up in the oubliette, um, and she can't figure out a way out. Um, and if we consider space itself as the labyrinth, um, then there are some interesting possibilities for how you could approach a very similar thing. So you could say, um, you know, there's a black hole. How are you going to get out of the gravitational pull of this black hole? to be able to continue your journey. Um, or spaceship crashes and you're stuck on an empty planet. <laughs> How are you going to get off of it, right? Like there are um, a lot of different ways that you can think about locationally, like using planets or different space features to um, create similar experiences to things that happened in the actual labyrinth. Um, and then to me, the the goblin city in the center of the labyrinth would be your like final planet location where you would have to land the ship and go find the thing that you were chasing across the galaxy to begin with. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my thought about the labyrinth as a, a sci-fi 
um, situation, which I think I would be actually kind of excited to play. The only problem with this kind of trope as a role-playing game, I will say, is that um, it is about one character primarily, and so um, it can be difficult to play with a party of people. Um, And there are some games that specifically do that um, and you could adjust them most of them are not written for sci-fi because that's not um, sci-fi is not a typical genre in which we see this kind of story even though interestingly to me I think that you can um, you can phase a lot of those tropes back and forth because sci-fi can do so much uh. I think that's great yeah I mean I could easily see that being a, uh, a campaign arc right? for a period of time right yeah. I mean, I think the important part is, um, if you're going to do it as a group and not as a single, is that the whole problem can't be solved um, strictly by the main character, right? Like, right. That's it, a- can, it, it, can, it can be, quote, about one character, but really the one character is, you know, draws on the whole troop. Yeah, there's a really interesting thing about games that um, that specifically are for this kind of story in in balancing that specific trope. Because when we talk about the movie version of that, it is always about the girl and her story. And she is the only one who can fix it at the end. But she needs her companions to basically support her so that she can learn that thing about herself that allows her to fix it. Right. Um, But like when we start talking about it as a role playing game, um, there's lots of different ways that people have approached solving that problem. But it is a thing about this trope that if you're going to do it as an RPG, you you have to have solved that problem in some way or made a decision in some way about how you're going to do that so that everybody still has an important part to play um, in what happens. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a couple of ways you could approach it, but yeah, I think I, mean, I think you're reskin. You you played that game with us on. She's a super geek, and you yes. played a companion, and um, and that was one of the ways. And now I can't remember the name of the game, but it's from Ginger Goat Games, and it's delightful. I love running it. Um, but it has flown out of my head because I haven't the been at conventions. Second that you, the second that you said it, I forgot it as well. <laughs> so I'm gonna let you look it up I while look it up. I. You tell I'm going to talk about mine. You tell me about yours. Uh, I've selected one of my all-time favorite movies, The Bourne Identity, uh, and I'm going to reskin it for fantasy. Mm-hmm. So uh, by way of what do I think is important, um, so if I'm looking at the core of this, right, this um, The Bourne Identity is a movie about a person with amnesia who has some startling abilities. Uh, there is a mystery to discover who they are Um, And what they discover along the way is that they were part of um, a covert government um, black ops operation that uh, assassinated people, uh, which means that our character was once an assassin with some pretty um, amazing abilities. So if I'm going to go fantasy... Well, I have a couple options. So the the easiest, and I will consider it... um, I, I will consider it the low bar right is that um is that it's just an assassin's guild that is to me not interesting right right so i what i want for our black ops is i think i want a so in our fantasy world um 
inside the main church. So Church of the Good God, right? Like whoever good, whoever the good God or good <laughs> the, pantheon the good one is. is. Sure. Right. Inside that church, there is a secret order um, that does not passively stand by and wait for divine intervention or good things to happen in the world, right? So our Treadstone, right? Treadstone's the name of the project in the Born Identity. Okay. Our Treadstone is a cabal of clerics mm-hmm. who are really not um, really not good anymore. Right. Um, okay. They're lawful. Uh-huh. But right? not They're lawful good. because they believe in law. Right. But they're not good and what they've done is that they have um, they have created a set of paladins, okay, that they have imbued with with divine energy, right? Um, to go forth and ensure that their world, their kingdom, whatever, um, persists and remains in prosperity, often by murdering um, other. Um, Kings, heads of states, um, uh, what you call it, giant uh, chieftains, whatever, right? And in the case of our story, again, the born identity is a um, the born identity is a single character. But if I'm going to do this as a group, um, then I just am going to have everyone wake up with amnesia. Right. Nobody knows why they have no memory of the situation but wherever they are they're like a drift some either a drift on the ocean or they wake up in a snowy field with no recollection of who they are um and um they are one being hunted by their order because their order is like where are you uh-huh right they're being hunted by whoever it is they were trying to kill yep because um that group also would like to know um, what the deal is. And uh, it's, again, a mystery to reclaim their, um, to reclaim who they are. And then along the way, they discover that this secret cabal of uh, lawful but not good um, clerics exist inside their holy order. Yeah. And what are they going to do about it? Now, knowing players... You know, I'm like, oh, they'll, you know, instantly take umbrage and tear it down. But for all I know, they're just going to turn around and sign up. I mean, right? they could. Like, they could just they could. be like, so, hey, I don't remember what's going on, but I have figured this out again and I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, they could. Right. They, they, you know, in the movie, you know, Jason, Jason Bourne is um, appalled at the fact that he was a assassin and, you know, he leaves Treadstone and is like, I want to just live a normal life. But if we're talking about players, players could be like, oh, that's awesome. Can we get restored so that our memories are intact? And can we keep playing this? Right. To which I might have to deal with that. Or um, my players could go full chaotic and be like, oh, this is exactly the reason why law sucks. Uh-huh. And, you know, attempt to and attempt to tear the whole thing down. Uh, I think I win either way, um, <laughs> depending on the outcome. So I'm pretty good with it. Like, I, I think it'll totally work. 
Well, I will just slip in and then we can keep talking about yours. The, the game from Ginger Goat uh, Games is called Heroin, and I love it. It is a it is. Powered by the Apocalypse um, girl coming of age game, which plays very much in the style of the Labyrinth or Alice in Wonderland or um, any number of stories that you can do like that. And you can hear Phil and me and Andy and Chris play it on. Uh, she's a super geek. Um, it's very old, so you have to go back a ways. But you can find it. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's way way. It's back way. It's, I had to. I had to scroll for a while. It was good, but um, but I do like that game a lot. It's uh, delightful, and I have run it a bunch of times. And it solves the um, primary player companion player um, issue in a very interesting way that I enjoy, um, which would be cool. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, no, I would totally play that as. A, I mean the 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 cleric identity like <laughs> oh yeah i mean i would totally play that game i think i i you know it's got some potential um but again it again it it hits upon the thing that we talked about right so the veneer of the born identity movie is you know it is modern um it is espionage it is technology it is spycraft right and we're going to replace that um like and and then and then the core part of it right is about like is, as I talked about is is the amnesia, and you know the secret cabal right in in this case Treadstone is a project inside the CIA right we can just rip those pieces off and just keep the cabal part yeah. all of that and then the veneer we put over it obviously for fantasy we have you know magic and divine powers and all that stuff so yeah I mean that's um, obviously how he lost his memory in this version. Oh, you know that, like, you know they went to kill somebody and some spell went off. Yep. And they both got teleported yep. and their minds were wiped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, or they got teleported and their minds are actually held by the enemy. <gasps> oh, man. And they have no memory because they because they don't, right? Um and that leaves oh, another part with the, you that's know. That's a whole other thing where you could go back and get your personality back if you decided to. Right. Or would you want would to, you right? Want and that's to. the. Dun, dun, well, dun. And, that's, and that is, well, that's and it right there, isn't it? Do that's you the whole want Jason to Bourne be thing. that person again? Or are you happier the way that you are? Right. When Jason Bourne discovers that he was an assassin in like act two of that of that movie. Yeah. Like he has this kind of revolt, like like revulsion, like he's like disgusted about what he is. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, his handlers are, you know, pissed that, you know, his his boss, you know, when they finally confronts Cochlin at the end, calls him a 30 million dollar malfunctioning weapon. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, I love it. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got you know, it's definitely got. Um, I, I would run it. Like, yeah, I would run it. I wouldn't have any problem running it. I think I. I think the fun way to do it is I would run it in Fate, and I would give. Um, I would. I would basically give. Um, a, give everybody. Um, give everyone blank character sheets. Right. Let them I'd fill in stuff along the way, mm -hmm. like let them fill in stuff along the way, like skills, they skills and talents they have and stuff like that. The aspects they could make up as their new character. But I would also have the aspects of their old their character. original. And you so you would just apply their old aspects when it oh, came up. Only as like if a they choose only, thing. Yeah. only if they choose to be restored. 
right? If they choose to be restored, then they have to like look at both um, sets of aspects and pick which ones they want to keep. Well, no, but, but if I they mean, choose... part of what's interesting with a born identity is like he keeps accidentally discovering that he knows how to do things that he didn't think that he knew. He's like, why and, do yeah, I know? How and to that's do this, I think right? this. I think that's the skills and stunts that Fair I would enough. keep. Like I would not define right. So right. I would just be like, cool. You have a plus four, plus you know, you have a plus four, two plus threes, you know, two plus twos, whatever, uh, and you have up to three um, stunts, and then just like wait for the characters to do something and be like, yeah, okay. Uh, apparently, I can fight, and then they just write fight at plus four, right? <laughs> yeah. Or I'm really good at creating advantages, right? So they like they take a stunt that allows them to create an advantage with their uh, with fight. You know, like they get a plus two when creating advantage in a fight or something. Like I would totally like that's how I would that's how I would tackle. Um, that's how I would tackle that and let the players kind of uh, through the course of the game discover, um, like get them to discover the character they want to be. Yes. Like, oh, apparently I'm really good at lying or right. uh, disguise or whatever. But on but separately, I would have who the characters originally were. Or who they so actually, truly, like, originally were. Yeah. Right. So if they choose to be restored, like, the clerics would be like, look, we, we can restore you, but, like, it's, like, it's not going to take completely. And then basically you hand them the other the aspects, set of aspects and, and you'd be like, okay, stuff. you yeah. can take, you can keep two aspects. Yep. And you have to take two aspects. Yes. <laughs> right? And those characters are like, those characters are like evil zealots. Yes. Right? So like. Lawful, yeah. but evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And justify the means, right? Like just. Yep. Yeah. So. Oh, I like it. That's cool. cool. Yeah. We should, we should prepare to roll on to the end of the show. Yeah. Um. Because I think we're at a really good time. Mm-hmm, we really for an are. Unscripted show. We're at an amazing time. Yeah, so. because we like had two topics and we finished topic talking about them, and that's it. We're done. <laughs> yes. So, send a uh, tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Oh snap! That thing. Uh, sure. Um, on the Misdirected Mark, you can catch Phil and Bob and Jerry talking about cool things. Like GMing and uh, game design advice, it's kind of the 201 class and that stuff. And um, you can watch them live every Tuesday night. That's absolutely what, what else do you usually say about is everybody entertained by Senda attempting to remember the Are uh, blur? Not entertained. <laughs> Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at pandas.games. You can find us on. F- uh, Oh, oh, wow. We're not on Facebook anymore. Don't look for us on Facebook. Um, you can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they have that information, what can they do with it? Yes, by all means. Uh, please send your questions, your ideas for topics and things like that. Who knows? We may just do one like we did tonight, yeah. where we didn't even structure a show. I'm becoming less convinced that structuring the show is really an important yeah, whatever. thing with this show. It's fine. Um, it might be more like a pirate code, like just <laughs> some like guidelines. Guidelines. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, please send us your topics and ideas. Uh, we actually really love doing the show uh, when it's about um, when it's about things that you find interesting. Just like tonight, where we just you know helped clarify, hopefully helped clarify uh, reskinning because that's a thing um, that we love to do. We love to help you be better gamers and game masters and players. It's right? like fun. That's re-skinnings. that's really what. 
that's really what we're here for, right? Our, our real goal out of all of this is just to make you uh, better gamers. So anyway, um, send us those topics. Now, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, uh, we would encourage you to Patreon uh, the shows, right? You can go to patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, patrons get access to the ever-awesome Slack Room for Life. I can't say enough about the, that community of awesome people. Um, you can check out um, P.K. Sullivan's adorable puppy, Loki. Oh, he's so cute. It's so, that dog oh, is so baby, painfully cute. Baby Corgi. Baby Corgi It's a baby pepper. Corgi. I'm not... I'm not sure. I'm not sure in the dog family if there's much if there's much cuter than a baby corgi. I mean, like I'm sure people will oh disagree, boy. but but baby corgi is it's baby a corgi baby is painfully corgi cute. named Loki. I just don't think that it gets any better than that. I don't know if you should name animals after the god of of mischief. Like we once had a server <laughs> in my old job that was named Loki, and it had a very bad habit of crashing at inappropriate times. Like not. Not the best idea. Anyway, um, <laughs> come to the Slack Room for Life. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, we have different topic rooms. Like, you can go in and talk about role-playing games and stuff like that. You can just uh, generally converse with all the awesome people. Um, you can um, you can uh, get the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark. Um, when Encoded Designs is kind of up and running in non-pandemic mode, uh, you can get certain goodies. Actually, know that Bob just ordered a uh, test print deck for something that we will probably share with the community Ooh. at some point. So uh, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that because I would like to shower some gifts upon our uh, lovely patrons. Uh, a thing you can do that's not patron related. Um, but also with our awesome community uh, is you can um, join our Star Trek Watch Club. It's true. We're currently in season five out of seven of Next Generation. But I assure you, work is being done as we speak <laughs> on getting the Deep Space Nine uh, watch list together, which will be a much more robust watch list. I mean, it yeah. It is a lot harder to, yeah. to single <laughs> out episodes that. in that. <laughs> yep. uh, anyway... That is a thing that we're doing as a community. We're having watch parties, um, and um, we're just having a lot of fun with that. So, um, if you you know if you dig it, you should join us on that one, whether you're a patron or not, because that one you can just go to the forums for. Yep, just check out the forums and um, and hop in those watch parties. We would love to have you. We're having lots of fun yeah, watching absolutely. things. Absolutely. Um, yes. So do all that support the patreon if you can the patreon goes um the patreon goes a long way for us right it handles uh, operating expenses um all the things like hosting servers and equipment and microphones and um all that stuff right Th that's what keeps the lights on here at misdirected mark central so we appreciate uh that that patronage a lot there is another thing you can do if you are already patreon if you're already a patron of the show or unable to be a patron of the show which is perfectly fine um there's a thing you can do super helpful it supports our If You Listen to Us, You Will Love Us campaign. <laughs> um, and what is that thing? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show. And also, um, we really like reading them. They give us warm, fuzzy feelings inside and make us feel like, you know... Um, that people are still happy to hear us despite the difficult circumstances of the world that we live in at the moment. So we really, really do super appreciate everybody who's left a review, both on a personal and a professional level. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. So with that, uh, say, Senda, 
what genre could I reskin She-Ra into? <laughs> She-Ra is already all the genres. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Check, check. I got waveforms. I have waveforms also. You know who, who could never ask for anything more? You know who never had waveforms? Who? Pandy. Pandy He's, didn't have waveforms. Pandy's very quiet. He's very quiet. He doesn't have a mouth. Actually. It'd be, it'd be cool if Pandy made a sound of some sort. Like if it had like a little sound like a, maker. Like a, like a, like a dog thingy. toy. Like a... I don't, know, I don't actually know what sound a panda makes. Like in, in real life. You know, I looked it up and it, I don't remember. It was like not a thing that I expected. And it was I just weird. assume it's like crunching a bamboo or something. I mean, I think that the, that is the most common sound that they make. Which means that it's funny. Or like, we don't understand well enough what a panda sounds like to like put panda noises on. Because I think when I went looking for a panda a sound effect at some point to put in for a panda sound i was like no one is going to know that that was a panda sound i'm gonna warn you yes that this is the kind of thing we should talk about at the end of the show it is the kind of thing we should talk about at the end and of we the should show. do the so beginning of the show let's give me like a 10 second silence so that i know where the beginning of the show is ready Bloop. hey phil and welcome no, 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 no. we have to you have to say hey santa <laughs> We haven't done the beginning gonna, of the show yet. I, I was going to do a thing. Oh. So let me, <laughs> let's cut this. I'll do the, uh, then you do I'll the- do the opening. Yes. Okay. Okay. Bloop. Boom. Boom. Like, what the heck? You got to warn me before you do that kind of thing.